You're listening to another episode of the Zag. Eric Soap here. Excited to be joined by a 2020 fellow. Michelle Sanchez is here. For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking all about social distancing and pandemics and COVID. But this week, we're talking a lot about Teacher Appreciation Week, which is not just a thing we made up. It's official. It's a real thing happening across the country. So we're talking to our educator crew and the NLC alumni group. So we're catching up with Michelle. We'll hear what she's up to, what she's working on education-wise. Thanks for listening. Let's get to it. All right, Michelle, one of the cool things about the NLC community is we yeah, have folks tackling education issues and challenges from all sorts of angles. We have teachers, principals, folks who work on policy. Give folks a scoop on how you uh, work in schools and with education these days. Yeah, so thank you for having me on. Um, I work with Gear Up for LA. It's in Los Angeles Unified School District, and I'm a school site coordinator, working primarily with middle school students in South Central Los Angeles. And then how has your life changed since the middle of March? Oh, my goodness. Where to start? <laughs> well, to start, one, I'm thankful. Um, I, you know, I'm in the position to support um, my community using my skill set as a former teacher um, in the classroom um, and also now thinking about how to use our resources and make sure our parents and students are informed because things have changed from week to week and it's been night and day, I'd say, as far as how everything has been mobilizing. And so for me personally, it's it's really um, jumping on maybe a million Zoom calls like many other educators, uh, trying to plan and make this happen for our students. And what that means is making sure uh, phone calls are made. We're doing like needs assessments. We still are from the first week to now, um, making sure basic necessities are, are met. So food, uh, mental health services. And then now we've been adding, you know, technology and internet and troubleshooting with that. Um, and I feel like it's it's been a, a long journey and we're, we're not done yet, but it's been really something to see, like, uh, what other profession can um, you ask of them to make all these crazy changes? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, and teachers, I feel like this really uh, push to show the strengths that all of us do have. And um, so I, I admire you know, my colleagues. I don't have my own students that I'm teaching per se, but you know, I'm definitely in the thick of it with them, helping to brainstorm and plan um, on how to support their students and families. And do you think the public has an understanding of how, I'm sure deep down they knew this, but maybe they had forgotten it, but how deeply rooted schools are in community? And I say that because, you know, seeing these numbers of, of meals served, for example, right, it's it's a staggering mm -hmm. amount of meals. I think it's over a million now for the district since, since mid-March. And all the other things you just mentioned as it relates to mental health services or getting technology to, to, to students and families. Do you feel like this is a moment then for education to make some moves once it comes to reallocating funding or doing some different um, uh, political messaging that I think would would you know put schools and teachers and the profession itself in a better, more esteemed place. What kind of things on that systemic front do you see potentially happening? Absolutely, I think you know right now this is a moment to really mobilize, and you see that with our, our union, um, still a UTLA member, and you know pushing that we need to fight back. We need to fight back against you know co-location um, of charters. We need to think about like f the future of public education, and I think this is now to say like to see the impact that our public schools have been serving, and it's actually uh, listening to Dr. Hilda Maldonado speak at a county meeting. 
that we've had over 10 million meals and that was just two oh, weeks nice. ago. <laughs> okay. yes, it's just the magnitude, um, you know, and that's, and every person who can go to a school site, it's two meals per person. And, and just hearing, you know, the voices of my parents and they're just thinking, saying, thank you. Um, you know, not just caring about you know, the education of my child, but also to make sure that they're, they're fed and they're, they're taken care of. And, and that's really, I think the strong point about our public education model, it's like servicing all of our students. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm worried one as an educator to see something like, you know, New Orleans and a charter movement take over. And, and I know there's many people who are frustrated with uh, the school district um, saying like, we need to do more. And, um, and I, I hear you and, and I think, yes, we do need to do more and we need to make sure we have uh, political allies and folks that are going to help us you know, when it comes to making those decisions, turning out in favor of increased funding, um, thinking of just, you know, what our model and what education can look like for the future. I feel like right now, like this is a game changer with online instruction, uh, thinking about what we can do for the future, thinking about community colleges as kids are making decisions and, you know, with remote learning coming into play, thinking about just how to meet the needs of our special education students, our English language learners, and all our other students, um, um, our public schools are doing tremendous work. And I feel like it's all with, with one hand behind our back. And so we need to have access to those resources to be able to really flourish as we can. Yeah, I think you're right. There'll have to be a lot of ally building uh, to make a lot of those things happen. Do you, do you worry that some of the messaging, especially around what you mentioned earlier with co-locations, uh, actually works against that ideal if you're um, you know, saying co-locations are going to somehow make kids sicker, families sicker, because uh, there's two schools on the same campus and there's many different schools on many campuses for LUSD. Sometimes there are four magnets on a campus. Sometimes there's a traditional and a magnet. Sometimes there's a traditional school and a charter school. But I, I was sort of surprised to see the union go down that road of trying to demonize co-locations in Prop 39. Do you feel like that potentially puts some of that things at risk? Because there are 25% of charter families in the district and Ideally, they'd be people who would support more education funding and a lot of the things you just mentioned. Do you worry that's the wrong road to go down? Well, I, I didn't say that they would make kids more sicker. I, I think for me, it's thinking about um, why why are we going to keep pushing uh, for you know charter expansion and pushing and pushing? It's like we need to stop, look at you know the data, make informed decision makings, and just like we hold all of our schools accountable with the data and measurements. I think we have to make sure we're doing that on all fronts. And so, um, you know, not to take away those schools, I think it's 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 being careful and equitable decision maker. And so before saying, you know, we need to have more charters, it's like, well, let's see, like, what is the need of the community? And I'm actually a fan of, uh, or believer in our community school models and pilot schools. like. If we want innovation, you know, we have these structures and systems in place with our community school models and our pilot schools. And, you know, if the if the idea and the vision is to have, you know, innovation and flexibility within, you know, what the community is wanting and asking and to fit the needs of the community, uh, I feel like we have that with these other options uh, rather than going with, you know, a corporate tie. So, um 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that addresses that question. It does. We could probably talk about this for a long time, but we're <laughs> at that time for a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about classroom teaching and some of Michelle's past experiences doing that. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. Yeah, Michelle, do I have this right? So you were a high school teacher, correct? Yeah, well, I've actually have taught all first grade to 11th oh, nice. grade. Yeah, Love it. so a little bit Love everything. <laughs> well, so if you were teaching, let's say, eighth grade or 10th grade or something like that, um, I think you did social studies and history, right? Yes. How would you, let's say when, if you're in the classroom in the fall and the students came back, how would you uh, sort of frame this moment in time, this this global pandemic, this kind of once in a generation, if not once in a hundred year reality, hopefully, uh, how would you uh, kind of position your students to think about um, the experience and how would you want them to uh, kind of put it in context of other big historical moments? Yeah, well, I, I think one, I always am a fan of bringing our student voices into like my classroom and, and giving them lots of choice. And so I think it's thinking about like, you know, uh, having them time to, to digest all of this, excuse me, <laughs> digest, um, you know, the impact this had on their community and you know, I think when you said that, I was visualizing a classroom full of my students, and I'm not quite sure if that's going to be reality, like, come this fall, if every student can come back all at once, um, just seeing where science takes us and the developments with that. But, I mean, if, if I could have that conversation, I would have, you know, hopefully, um, if things can go as I envisioned, you know, we would be making decisions, thinking about, like, okay, our models of education, our class sizes, having our kids maybe thinking about, um, the role of technology in education. Um, I think some students, it works, for some it doesn't. And so how do we move forward for the for like that classroom? So if my students, you know, I would do an assessment to see like, well, how, you know, where, how do they feel about um, the use of technology during their time mm. uh, with online learning? Like, I don't want to keep using a tool if, if it didn't work for, say for like one period, because I would usually teach about six and about like 40 students, so maybe 200 students, right? So I'm not going to do the same thing for every class. And I think, um, you know, I would I would do that first. First survey, like, well, how do my students feel about the technology? Um, and continue to see how I can involve, you know, what they're interested in learning and tie it into, of course, standard-based learning uh, and the objectives of whatever history course I'm teaching. Um, but finding ways to, to make it relevant for our students and also finding ways for them to use their learning outside of the community. Well, it is Teacher Appreciation Week. Who do you cite in your long history of being in schools and having teachers? Who's one or two of your favorite teachers of all time that you appreciate? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, actually, um, I lost a former teacher of mine. Mm -hmm. um, she just recently passed away uh, this winter, uh, Miss Bowman Little. Uh, she was a teacher at Igarok High School, and she just actually recently retired. And so she's the first one that actually comes to mind right now. And then also my former coach, uh, my track and cross country coach, Mr. Martinez from Igarok High School as well. Miss um, Bowman Little, just um, she was such a wonderful woman and teacher to have to craft my writing with. I think at that point at Igarok, we were overcrowded. So I don't even know how <laughs> she was able to provide the feedback and instruction and lesson planning. Uh, to make our learning, you know, meaningful and just a wonderful experience for all our students. Um, so I appreciate her as a classroom teacher and then later as a colleague. So I later went back to Igarok and I was teaching there. So it was wonderful oh, to work awesome. there. Yeah. 
So she was always supporting me, you know, when I was going through grad school and I was like, I want to be a teacher. And she like gave me great feedback. And, you know, it was always someone that I could lean on. And so it's, it's, um, it's really unfortunate to have her go so soon, far too quickly. And so she's someone who I carry with me, who is definitely a supporter of our students and of equitable decision-making. So, you know, I definitely carry her in my heart um, moving forward. And Mr. Martinez, um, just a testament. He's um, to someone who, you know, just goes beyond, you know, the work hours, like many of our teachers, uh, not just an excellent uh, classroom teacher, but also a role model outside of the classroom. He also, he was an alum. He went to Igarok himself. He went off to Yale, um, came back and taught um, at his alma mater. And he definitely um, is someone who made an impact on my life and my brothers because we were just a year apart. <laughs> you know, so he would you know, take us to practice, you know, would help coach us on the weekends, um, really built community outside the classroom. And I think, you know, I always try to to, to use what I learned from him um, as far as making those experiences and building relationships with my students outside the classroom. Um, and then also like with Ms. Bowman-Little inside the classroom, what can I do to differentiate to really support um, my students? Well, listen, shout out to both of them and thanks for sharing those stories. Incredibly inspiring. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of The Zag. It's Teacher Appreciation Week. If you are an educator in the NLC community, we'd love to have you on. Just hit us up. And if you'd like to hear all the past sags we've been dropping the last couple of weeks. There's a lot from folks all across the country doing really important work on the COVID front lines and just talking about life in general in these pandemic days that we're in. So make sure to check those out. SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, they're all there. And until next time, we'll catch you soon.